good evening uh, to my class uh, once again and uh, today i'm going to take up um, chapter 6 um chapter 6 becomes um, a very important uh, chapter uh, because it's not only the last chapter of the first part of the novel but it also um, essentially sets the stage for uh, all that's going to happen really in part 2 of the novel um, chapter 6 is uh, you know going to change the direction of the uh, story and uh, we're going to see uh, Mayor Saul's involvement in uh, something which is absolutely unimaginable um, almost absurd if you may like uh, and uh, you know whatever happens in this chapter is not just um, you know important in terms of plot but it's also very important in terms of um, um, you know understanding the crime that Mirsolt is going to commit uh, and uh, you know how did he commit the crime why did he commit the crime and uh, how that's just going to be so very very uh, intrinsic so very important so very central uh, to uh, whatever's going to happen in the rest of the novel in part two so um, you'd find that in this chapter as in all the other chapters of part one there is a mix of lethargy and intensity lethargy uh, you know slowness um, laziness and also intensity uh, because we're going to see action as well we're going to see some kind of uh, uh, feelings between people as well and uh, we'd also find that Mir Salt is actually uh, living within uh, a radically different scheme of values you know and for him um, the past which uh, represents um, you know regret and the future which represents hope are actually meaningless and you'll always find that Mayor Salt never regrets anything about the past whether it's the death of his mother he's not crying at the funeral his relationship with Marie or whatever he never has any kind of regret and we're going to see that even in the next part of the novel and even uh, you know his understanding of values of the future which are representative of hope are also meaningless uh, we're also going to see uh, waiting uh, which is uh, a, a very uh, a, you know important aspect of the uh, philosophy of the uh, absurd and uh, you know uh, that becomes also very uh, you know prominent in this chapter when we're going to see Mersault and we're going to see the Arabs on the beach waiting for each other waiting for something to happen and uh, you know nothing happening for a very long time so this this constant wait you know is also uh, you know very importantly uh, connected to the philosophy of the absurd so um, you know I'd um, uh, I'm taking off from where I left yesterday and you remember that um, uh, you know Raymond and um, you know Mearsalt they're they're going to uh, go out uh, to you know a chalet which is actually uh, owned by a friend of uh, Raymond's and T's and we'll come to know later of course that uh, the person's name is Masson and uh, he and his wife are going to be at the chalet and Marie and um, you know Mearsalt are going to join them and we'll also have Raymond and T's going there okay so uh, that will come subsequently we'll just uh, begin by uh, reading uh, the opening lines of the chapter uh, that Sunday I had trouble waking up and Marie had to shout at me and wake me we didn't eat anything because we wanted to be in the water early 
I felt completely empty and I had a bit of a headache. My cigarette tasted bitter. Murray made fun of me because she said I had a face like a funeral. So this is otherwise um, a comment which is made by Murray in jest, in you know, in a very joking fashion. But um, it's going to be important because you're going to see something very serious is going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, there's a dog, uh, our, our PORC dog barking in the background. Um, you know, I often talk to you about her. You know, she's very... Uh, territorial like other dogs so I suppose she's chasing uh, some other dog which you can see because I think during the coronavirus uh, the only creatures that we can see around the streets are you know street dogs so she's doing a duty <laughs> she's doing a duty well so uh, now, uh, now you know they are going to go to this uh, beachside sort of um, place where they're going to go to the chalet so um, you know he knocks at uh, Mersault knocks at Raymond's door while they're on their way and Murray was very very excited that day it was a very beautiful day so they took their swimming costumes and you know Raymond comes he wears blue trousers and he wears a white short sleeves um, you know, shirt he also put a straw hat on and uh, you know Murray saw him and found him quite comic and she laughed and even um, uh, you know, uh, Mirsold finds him to be uh, looking very comic, and uh, Raymond addresses uh, Mirsold as "Hi there, old man," and addressed Marie as "Miss." Right? So uh, there's a kind of, um, uh, you know, a kind of a friendship developing between uh, the three of them, and. Um, you know, in the meantime, Mersault also tells us that he had been to the police station uh, the day before and he testified that the girl had cheated on Raymond and, um, you know, he uh, just got off with a warning. So they didn't check my statement, he said, okay. And we're going to see how, uh, you know, the police have been so very casual, uh, you know, in understanding this kind of a violent um uh, you know action on the part of Raymond Sinti's against uh, the mistress but it all seems to be over and um you know Mersol seems to have just uh, you know done his duty and he is ready for uh, you know that um, now you know time on the sea beach okay uh, although when they were about to set off remember they're going to uh, travel uh, they have to travel by bus uh, to that uh, you know that beachside uh, place where there's a chalet and where you know Masson is waiting for them uh, there was a group of Arabs now who are actually sort of stalking uh, Raymond Sinti's okay and they were looking at uh, Raymond and Mersault in silence but in their own special way as if they were you know nothing more than blocks of stone or dead trees so they appear to be very uh, quiet and uh, you know unobservant but actually they they uh, they can see everything yeah so um murray isn't isn't able to understand why these arabs are roaming around and uh, you know raymond and mersol just say that uh, rather it is uh, mersol who says that yeah raymond has some trouble with the arabs okay uh, now as um, Raymond and uh, Marie talk to each other. Uh, Mirsort is able to make out that, um, uh, you know, uh, Raymond seems to really like Marie. But she hardly said anything and every now and then she glanced at him and they'd laugh, right? Now, uh, he finds that, um, uh, you know, Raymond is becoming very friendly with Marie and Marie sort of uh, laughs at his jokes, etc. But, you know, not uh, he, he doesn't feel jealous about it or he doesn't get angry about it, you know? remember that uh, sense of detachment that he has and it doesn't really make any difference to him and he just carries on remember he's uh, 
sensual he uh, you know hunger thirst sex beauty uh, nature Th these are things that hold a lot of importance for him and they are the things that really attract him so this uh, you know holiday on the beaches is, is is very significant okay and now they uh, move along and they're you know traveling by bus they're going to this chalet and Marie seems to be very excited when they reach there there are a lot of flowers and she she's you know she's she's, she's also very natural in her uh, reactions in her interactions and uh, you know he finds uh, Mirsol finds that Marie looks very very happy okay so um, now they're introduced to this person called uh, Masson and uh, look at the description that Albert Camus gives of him he says he was a huge broad-shouldered fellow with a plump and friendly little wife who had a Parisian accent okay and um, you know this this is the the only husband and wife you know that we see here and uh, you know he says uh, i get on well with my wife you know he added and um, just then you know his life was wife was laughing with marie and there's a very significant line which mersol says here he says for the first time perhaps i really thought i'd get married this is the only time when he says or when he thinks that he would probably like to get married okay otherwise we know how uh, he is so evasive he he just escapes this question or um, i mean you know doesn't want to ever uh, tell marie that he doesn't want to marry her and he you know says if you were interested in marrying me i will right um then he is uh, observing now remember uh, you know mirsol is a very good observer he observes masson he sees the way in which he behaves and um, you know, even uh, he, he talks about Marie as being stunning and charming. And Mirsort knows that, you know, the men find Marie um, very attractive, you know. So he, he doesn't get flustered about it because he also knows that he himself finds Marie uh, sort of um, very attractive, okay. Uh, so now there is, you know, swimming on the beach and, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, you know, they are enjoying this kind of, a, uh, this kind of an outing. And... Uh, uh, you know, he looks at uh, Marie and she was, you know, glistening all over with salty water and holding her hair back. And uh, he finds her looking very beautiful, but the sun is also very strong and he goes off to sleep for a bit. I told you in my earlier lectures that the role of the sun is very important in the outsider. You know, the sun was very bright and sh sunny when it, uh, his mother died during the funeral. It's very hot and uncomfortable now when they're on the beach and we're going to see that the sun is going to be at its zenith, as, at its highest point when the murder takes place. So the sun, far from being, uh, you know, um, a source of life and a source of, um, you know, everything that we look at in terms of biology, etc. It's actually very harsh. It's actually something which uh, makes uh, or rather beats Mersault down, right? So, um, you know, they get back to the chalet and then they, um, you know, they eat, uh, they drink, they have um, wine, they have meat and fried potatoes, they have fried fish, you know, which um, Masson had, um, you know, uh, caught, caught himself. And then, uh, you know, Masson asks him if he wanted to go for a walk on the beach with him, right? So, um, uh, Marie stays back with uh, Masson's wife because she has to do the utensils and cleaning up. And uh, the three of us went out, the three of us, which means Masson. Raymond Sintis and uh, Mirsault, right? 
Now, uh, now you see the sun, the description of the sun. The sun was shining almost vertically onto the sand and the glare from the sea was unbearable. Okay, So we know that uh, you know white surfaces, they give off a lot of uh, sun uh, heat and there's this shiny uh, sand on the beach and then there's this... Um, uh, you know the sun shining very very strongly okay uh, then you know suddenly again uh, Raymond finds that uh, those same Arabs actually who uh, you know were in another place before they had left seem to be um, you know a kind of a presence there right and uh, he, they're already come there and they're very surprised you know how they followed them which means they've come by bus so they've come by some means of transport and they're really intending to have some kind of revenge you know it's not just uh, tomfoolery it's not just a game that they're trying to play so um, you know Raymond is always the master of ceremonies he's always the most important person and he says you know he says if there's a fight Mason, you take the one on the right I'll take care of my man you know my man which uh, means uh, the brother of his um, former mistress Mersault if another one turns up he's yours I said yes and Masson put his hands in his pocket the sand was so hot that it seemed to have turned red right and we were steadily advancing towards the Arabs right so they now have a kind of a confrontation uh, Raymond went straight up to his man uh, Raymond then struck the first blow and immediately shout, shouted to Masson. Masson went up to the one he'd been assigned and hit him twice with all his strength. Now the Arab falls into the water and there are bubbles bursting on the surface around his head. Okay. Uh, then, uh, you know, um, th there seems to be a knife with the Arabs and, you know, so, uh, Mersault, uh, Raymond and... Uh, Masson seemed to get a little nervous. Uh, then Masson, uh, you know, he sprang forward, but the other Arab had got up again and um, he went round behind the one with a knife, right? So when they thought that they were at safe distance, then they ran off as fast as they could because, you know, these three men give a good chase, okay? But what happened was that, you know, Raymond was clutching at his arm, which was dripping with blood, which means the Arab managed to, uh, you know, hit him on his arm and his arm is dripping with blood and um, you know Raymond wanted to go straight for him but every time he spoke there was blood that was bubbling up in his mouth you know so uh, you know then they took him back to the chalet when they went into the chalet obviously you know the women were dumbstruck uh, you know Mrs. Masson was in tears Marie had become very pale and what did uh, Mersol do he says I ended up not saying anything and just smoked and watched the sea you know uh, and he did not want to talk too much because he did not want to repeat the same old stories. Okay, so this whole um, way in which Mersault often, uh, you know, responds to situations and uh, things that happen. Now, uh, at about half past one, Raymond came back with Masson. He had his arm bandaged. They went, you know, to get some first aid, and he says he wanted to get some air, so he wanted to go out of the chalet. So again, three men they again go out to the beach. Uh, or they walk along that and the sun was crashing down onto the sea and the sand and sh uh, you know and was shattering into little pieces look at the description that the sun seems to be shattering into little pieces right now when they're walking on the beach they find that the Arabs have not left they're still there they're watching them remember I told you this constant watch this constant wait a very very typical example of the philosophy of the absurd right and now we find that uh, there's one of the Arab who's blowing on a small reed 
it's like a small flute and there are just three notes that he constantly repeats over and over again and you'd notice that this novel has a lot of uh, repetition in terms of routine in terms of uh, you know like salamano and his dog for eight years marie and uh, uh, you know mersault in the kind of uh, going for a swimming coming back having sex eating food so it's all very very um, sort of sometimes very robotic so even this music that's being played on the flute is you know just three notes and it just adds to the you know the kind of a lethargy it adds to the kind of a boredom okay so all this time he says there was just sun and the silence with the sound of the little spring and the three notes so the little rocks on the seashore these arabs hide behind them uh, or or they're sitting behind them and one is playing the reed and there is just this wait and watch kind of a situation you know so raymond asked me shall i have uh, shall i let him have it and you know this is a very um, important reply that mersault says he says he hasn't said anything to you yet it be unfair to shoot just like that right so as students of law you always understand that you know um, you know even when we talk of murder we talk of uh, the intention you know and um, he, and uh, also very important is the provocation so he says no there's no provocation why do you want to hit him or shoot him and remember there is a gun also that he has on him and um, now what does raymond do raymond hands the gun over to mersault right so he says now if the other one intervenes or he draws his knife i let him have it okay when raymond handed me his gun the sun glinted off it and yet still we remained motionless as if everything had closed in around us okay so now we can make out that there's something very serious there's a murder that's going to take place and it's going to be at the hands of mersault a very unlikely thing to happen because he you know had least uh, intentions of murdering and he doesn't have any any kind of sense of enmity against these arabs okay? So now, at this point, see uh, a very important thing that Mersol says. He says that you know, at this point, you could either shoot or not shoot. You know, remember uh, the the he always gives two options: either you walk fast to the funeral or you walk slowly to the funeral. It doesn't make any difference. You stay in Algiers or you stay in or you uh, live in Paris. It doesn't make any difference. So uh, you know, he says now probably I don't have any any alternative, okay? Uh, because remember, all the alternatives in a meaningless world are absurd in themselves as well, okay? So now they Raymond and he they turn back and they seem to be feeling better and. And it seems like you know things are settling down a little. Uh, the provocation seems to have sort of abated, gone down a bit. Okay, so um, Raymond went as far as the chalet with him, but while he climbed the wooden steps, he stayed um, at uh, the bottom, and his head was bringing from the sun. Right. So again, he says, whether I stayed there or moved, it would come to the same thing. You know, this this very important thing of, you know. um sort of uh, you know whether i do that or whether i do this it just doesn't make any difference okay so um here again they come down again and they're walking again and uh, you know there's um, you know the arabs again hiding behind the rock and when he got nearer he saw that raymond's arab had come back okay so he was lying on his back with his hands behind his head his forehead in the shade and he was wearing a boiler suit okay so as soon as he saw me he sat up slightly and put his hand in his pocket right now he notices that the arab is trying to take out his knife to attack him so he says naturally i gripped raymond's gun inside my jacket so we can very clearly see that it was almost like an act of um, self defense if you may and he you know is 
doing that because he felt that there was some kind of a provocation on the part of the Arab. And remember, this is exactly what he said to Raymond, that don't harm him because he hasn't done anything to you. So now he perceives danger and he sort of puts his hand in his uh, pocket, uh, sorry, in, in his jacket and he feels his gun. It was still the same sun, the same light and the same sand as before. For two hours now, the day had stood still. For two hours, it had been anchored in an ocean of molten metal. Now look at the role of the sun, look at the role of the heat. Uh, it, it, it plays a very, very important role. Yeah? So um, this is how uh, you know the, the everybody's closing in. Closing in, the universe is closing on them, and they're also closing in ahead because the crime is going to be committed. Okay, Remember, a man is alone in a meaningless universe. Okay, And this is exactly what's happening with Mayor Salt. He has nothing to do with the Arabs. He has no enmity at all. He hardly knows, uh, you know, uh, Raymond, uh, I mean, for for a while, and yet he's just involved in something which he has no interest in at all, right? So now he said, I realized that I only had to turn around and it will all be over. Yeah? I took a few steps towards the spring, the Arab didn't move. You see how everything is very, you know, uh, almost graphically explained, you know, uh, as though it's a frame by frame kind of a movement, as though it's a photograph or a movie, you know, happening. Um, now see another very significant thing he says, it was the same sun as on the day of mother's funeral and again it was my forehead that was hurting me most and all the veins were throbbing at once beneath the skin. Right? So the sun is always very um, uh, symbolic of uh, you know, uh, a, um, a natural aspect of the universe but yet very harsh and very cruel. You know, and if you're once under the sun, you just there are no shadows, and you are not going to escape. Okay? Then he said, um, "I took one step, just one step uh, forward, and this time, without sitting up, the Arab drew his knife and held it towards me in the sun. So you can imagine that, you know, sharp blade of the knife, casting its kind of uh, shattering kind of, uh, uh, you know, light." And uh, it seems that, you know, his head was really aching at that. The light leapt off the steel and it was like a long flashing sword lunging at my forehead. So, uh, you know, the sun, the knife, the Arab all seem to be affecting him strongly. And remember, he's a man who's affected by uh, anything that's, you know, in nature or spontaneous and his actions are very much like that. At the same time, all the sweat that had gathered in my eyebrows suddenly ran down over my eyelids, covering them with a dense layer of warm moisture. My eyes were blinded by this veil of salty tears. All I could feel were the cymbals the sun was clashing against my forehead. You know, cymbals are the musical instruments which you put on, uh, you know, on your hands and you bang them together for that kind of, um, uh, you know, music. And indistinctly, the dazzling spear still leaping up off the knife in front of me. So the knife is almost appearing to him to be like a sword. He uses the word sword, a spear, you know. Uh, there is a certain kind of an optical illusion which he's also experiencing. He's become almost delusional also when he looks at all this and how you know remember he's lonely his life is meaningless and this is a point of time when this meaninglessness reaches its zenith you know it couldn't have been more strange absurd meaningless and he looks at the knife which transforms into a sword which transforms into a spear and he says now it's time for him to do something 
um, it was like a red hot blade gnawing at my eyelashes, gnawing as to eat, and, you know, with very small bites, and gouging out my stinging eyes. You know, his eyes, his head seemed to be hurting. He has, uh, you know, probably till now, from chapter one to chapter five, we see that he's leading a sort of normal life, and uh, of course, everything is very meaningless. He's detached, but probably chapter six is a culmination of all this meaninglessness, and he said, "I can't take it anymore now." You know, this kind of a life that I'm leading, something has to be really drastically done about it. This was when everything shook. The sea swept ashore, a great breath of fire. The sky seemed to be splitting from one end and raining down sheets of flame. So, you know, there's molten, there's fire. My whole being went tense and I tightened my grip on the gun. The trigger gave. I felt the underside of the polished butt, and it was there, in that sharp, deafening noise that it all started. I shook off the sweat and the sun. So he's finally, in that extreme act of absurdity, or self-defense as you may call it, he shoots the Arab. I shook off the sweat and the sun. I realized, I'm closing my lecture with uh, lines from the novel or from the, cha- from the chapter rather, the closing chapter uh, lines from the chapter, I realized that I destroyed the balance of the day and the perfect silence of the speech where I'd been happy. You know, uh, till now he says, you know, I was not unhappy or it was not a ha- bad place, but he says, I was happy a moment earlier, even though I'm living in a meaningless world. It was happiness with Marie, with Masson, with, you know, uh, Raymond, it was all okay. And he said now he blames himself for destroying the balance of the day and the perfect silence of the speech where I'd been happy. And I fired four more times at a lifeless body. Now this is significant because we're going to examine this from the legal perspective in the second part of the novel. Uh, why did he shoot four more shots into the body of a lifeless corpse, you know? And the bullet sank in without leaving a mark. And it was like li- like giving four sharp knocks at the door of unhappiness. So now, um, this is very significant. The last line of the chapter is very significant because, you know, he says now, uh, my shooting four shots into the body of that dead Arab was like giving four sharp knocks at the door of unhappiness, you know. And now, um, we're going to see that the whole... Uh, the, the the novel is going to turn on its head, so to speak, uh, because you know a murder has been committed, and now it's going to be uh, mere salt, uh, you know, taken to prison, and uh, now he's we're going to see a different side of him now you know till now he was just observing everything almost with journalistic detail and uh, as though you know he's sort of maintaining a diary not passing judgment on anybody but uh, just observing and now we're going to see his observations are going to turn inward in the second part and that's where the novel becomes very interesting and also um, readers you know tend to become um, you know, more sympathetic towards my salt when we un- uh, when we you know observe him in the second part when there is a trial, uh, you know when the charges of murder are against him and all sorts of things about his past actually come and get um, you know um, convoluted or complicated with the present. Okay, and uh, we're going to look at even uh, you know the legal apparatus, the courts, the judges also in all the absurdity, you know, and um, that also becomes, 
makes very interesting reading so uh, thank you uh, um, you know for my uh, to my students and uh, uh, tomorrow we are going to start with the second part uh, of the novel and you'd be able to very easily observe uh, uh, the kind of remarkable um, you know difference in tone in complexion in movement and of course um, you know in the character of mersault in part 2 of the novel um thank you everyone uh, stay at home and stay safe